So today we're talking to Daniel. Hi, Daniel. Hi, hello. And we are going to talk about a topic or I guess an area that you've been working uh, on, which is data science. And you're also the organizer or site closure. Um, so where do we even start with uh, all of this? Like, how did you end up in creating this? Like, what, who is Daniel? Oh, yeah, thank you. Thank you first for this opportunity. You know, I am a follower of Closure Stream, <laughs> so I, I am so happy for this opportunity and so grateful for what you do. Um, sure thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I really like this habit of starting with the origin story of people. And, uh -huh. and for myself, you know, I'm a community person. Mm -hmm. I try to be involved in building communities. And these days it is about um, the, the uh, some of the open source communities around closure and data mm -hmm. science mostly. And uh, but it is kind of influenced by my past experience in other groups I've been into. Right. So where, like, how did you even end up on closure? What, did you do closure before, or like, how did closure came on your radar? Yeah, it was uh, 2013 and. Uh, I think a few of us uh, doing data science and discussing with colleagues, we were looking for a more dynamic experience of exploration and, and, and we were wondering about different ways to explore data. Mm -hmm. And then a friend heard that I liked a little bit of Emacs and Emacs Lisp and that friend kindly suggested to look into Clojure. Mm -hmm. And it was like an answer for something that was needed very much. Mm -hmm. I didn't know to call it functional programming. I didn't know to say Lisp so much because I, I knew just a little bit about it. And then uh, it kind of fit the need for harmony, the need for, for elegance in doing things. Yeah. And uh, how about like data science topics, if you will? Like, you know, there's a lot of web developers. There's a lot of like backend and front-end developers. How did you end up doing data science? Been study, I studied math, uh, mm -hmm. that, that is my background, and I like probability mostly and, and, and like the ideas of probability theory. And right. then, you know, work has been taking me to, to, into doing some statistics and anal analyzing data. And then mm -hmm. uh, after a few years, people were calling it data science. Uh, this new name came, came about, so that right. is how it is called nowadays. Right, right, right. Um, so regarding the uh, Cycloge, um, so this is the science group of Closure, and uh, you're organizing a lot of things there. Uh, you have the meetings, and uh, how how do you, what do you cover normally during those Cycloge meetings, and like how is it structured? Can we give like an overview on this? Yeah, um, a few of us uh, are organizing a mm -hmm. few groups uh, in this community. Uh, this Cycloge community is a space for people to, to think together, to get help, to support each other mm -hmm. in developing libraries mm -hmm. for science enclosure and in using them. And uh, we have been running different uh, user groups and uh, developer groups that you know, meet more or less frequently to, mm -hmm. to explore things together. And the habit has been to, to 
to seek this approach where it is okay to be confused and, and we are getting confused together and exploring together with mm -hmm. this kind of compassion and solidarity that is sometimes needed. Mm -hmm. And um, these days we are running a few groups uh, that meet once a month. Mm -hmm. One of them is called the Visual Tools Group, which is about many pieces of closure tooling where mm -hmm. developers can meet and share their ideas and update about what they're doing. Another mm -hmm. one is called Data Recur, which is a new group, group uh, and that would be about data-related libraries. So library authors would be able to share their updates uh, every month and, and think together. Mm -hmm. And then we are also starting a couple of, of study groups. Mm -hmm. One of them is actually a course that mm -hmm. is going to start, and it, it is called the Data Science for Closure Devs course. It will mm -hmm. probably start in September, and mm -hmm. we will actually be teaching data science. Cool. And another group is called Joint Probe, uh, something I'm really excited about. Joint Probe is about probability, probabilistic modeling, and there we are not just talking about closure. There's actually closure people are mixing with other communities and, mm -hmm. and learning together. Cool. So, uh, so who's the audience uh, for who can join the Cliso, uh, uh, Cycloach meetings and like, who are you trying to target? Mm. Yeah, um, one audience is users, people who have some data in their hands and wish to use Clojure to explore mm -hmm. or analyze the data. Mm -hmm. And uh, we call them users because that is a certain state of mind we are approaching where they just need something and they could be using the relevant tools and libraries. And another audience is library developers who wish to have a space to think together, to collaborate. Mm -hmm. and, and yeah, and, and Cyclogy is a space for those two groups to mix together. And, uh, so, and you know, maybe, sorry, maybe I'll add that it is also very welcoming to people who are willing to become contributors are mm -hmm. willing to have a first step in uh, open source. And there are many opportunities, not just scientific ones, to actually join a certain effort to create something, to, to contribute to something. Mm -hmm. uh, so if I'm a closure developer who doesn't have any clue about data science, uh, where, which group or is there any place that I could join or do you expect people to have, you know, uh, knowledge in probability theories, statistics, etc.? I think it is relevant to almost any closure developer because mm -hmm. a lot of what we do is about exploring data, about processing data, about mm -hmm. finding ways to do that. And I think that is a need for both closure people who are mostly about data in some way right. or another. And, uh, and I think uh, what we have been offering is also a space for people who like to create things and, and I think uh, a few of the groups are very attractive, the way I see it, to anybody who wishes to take on a, an open source project and just be mm -hmm. part of a group that can support this process. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, talking about, your, you mentioned like data processing. So if we, would, if we could divide the data science into different categories, if you will, 
or like how would you what what are normally the tasks of a data scientist what such a person does yeah yeah so uh, i think one one really brilliant thing that one of the uh, community organizers did our friend ethan miller looked into a few handbooks and textbooks and tried to make sense of the way things are organized and came up with a certain way to phrase it, to organize the ideas. Mm -hmm. and, and typically one could uh, look into data science as a combination of data processing, some math and statistical functions, data visualization, machine mm -hmm. learning, and a certain way to organize the workflows around all that. So that could be a nice way to organize it, maybe. Mm -hmm. So what's the what's the current state of closure and data science? And maybe we can just pick the first layer. Uh, so you mentioned data processing. Like, what would I use as a data scientist in closure? What are the, I don't know, the construction areas? Um, how was the status? Yeah, yeah. So so maybe let us kind of divide it into two parts. Okay. One okay. is working with tables. Right, and, and that is something which is mostly typical to people doing data analytics. That is something you mm -hmm. would find in most uh, languages and platforms for data science. Just a certain way to work with tables. And there, you know, you have the TechML dataset and tablecloth libraries that you talked about with uh, Chris in a previous podcast. And mm -hmm. they provide uh, amazing performance at the TechML dataset uh, level. And then on top of that, beautiful uh, ergonomics uh, at the tablecloth level, uh, which is written by our friend Tomasz. And mm -hmm. um, so that is one part of the story. Then okay. another part is, yeah, maybe another part is the linear algebra, just working with arrays and vectors and all that. But then mm -hmm. there is another part, which is working with unstructured data, nested data structures with missing values and lots of uh, dirty details that typically one may run into in many data situations. And there actually, Clojure really shines compares to other data science platforms because Clojure is all about uh, processing nested data structures uh, in a, a, a fun way, right? And then the core closure library is an amazing choice. And on top of that, you have uh, other libraries such as uh, uh, Core Match and, um, and Meander and Spectre and such. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so this, this will be the data processing part. Um, the next thing uh, you mentioned would be some kind of like math and slash statistics. Yeah, and then, and then uh, except for, you know, the conceptual part that needs uh, may need some learning. Uh, uh, the, the functionality itself um, is collected nicely in a few closure libraries, at least for common cases. Mm -hmm. um, so th there is a, a nice library called FastMath by the same friends Tomas we mentioned, mm -hmm. which is uh, collecting many, many functions for math and statistics of all kinds of flavors and uses. Really a beautiful, well-documented collection. And, and then uh, there is another library worth mentioning, which is Kixie Stats um, by Henry Garner and friends. And uh, that offers uh, transducers 
approach uh, to processing, uh, to making statistical computations. And so these are two uh, worth mentioning. And then, you know, one may run into functionality, which is missing in Clojure, but then there are the interop options to actually uh, bridging to another language. And these are often working very well. Um, yeah, so that is uh, a little bit on that side. Mm -hmm. So well, we process the data, we apply some mathematical slash statistic analysis. So we get some, we get some more data out of the data set. And then most probably we want to display this to uh, to our customers or end users. And what do we do? What kind of libraries do you do we use for data visualization? Yeah. So so yeah, I think for data visualization, one may need uh, some library to actually create the specification of the thing to be visualized, but also a certain piece of tooling to actually be able to display that. And then mm -hmm. maybe on the tooling side. Probably uh, uh, that deserves a whole other conversation, but you, you uh, probably know and have discussed a few of the amazing pieces of tooling uh, for mm -hmm. visual tooling in Clojure. And on the library side, just creating the visual um, value, um, there are a few interesting options. Um, one of them is a work in progress library by Tomasz mm -hmm. called CLJ Plot. CLJ Plot is a very ambitious project because it draws inspiration from many other data visualization libraries in other languages. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think uh, Tomasz uh, hasn't declared it finalized. It is still changing and growing uh, yet, So, uh, mm -hmm. uh, but still very much useful and worth looking into. Another mm -hmm. approach is to uh, use existing specifications of some JavaScript data visualization libraries. And mm -hmm. many of those are very declarative. They have some JSON-based specifications. And those things are, of course, very much fun to create from Clojure. One of these uh, JavaScript libraries, which, are, which is very much uh, loved, beloved by Clojureans, is Vega and Vega Lite, a mm -hmm. famous uh, uh, specification for data visualization. And there are actually a few closure libraries to generate such specifications in a very expressive way on the closure side, on the backend side. Mm -hmm. And maybe one of them worth mentioning is Hanami, a brilliant library by John Anthony that mm -hmm. somehow offers an easier and arguably simpler way to generate Vega and Vega Lite specifications using the magic of closure processing of nested structures. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so probably CLJ plot and Hanami uh, would be the first places to look, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And normally the output of the visualization is all like, is it usually a browser or? Yeah, so for most. Uh, users nowadays, I think it would be the browser, but those uh, uh, Vega and Vega Lite specifications, for example, uh, can be uh, can target other formats uh, such as SVGs that do not need a browser to be shown, and CLJ plot that we mentioned um, mm -hmm. does not need the browser. It can generate images. Uh, it can be shown uh, uh, without a browser. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um 
So diving deeper into the whole topic of data science, of course, you can uh, hear a lot about, you know, machine learning, AI, and are there any libraries that help us to do this kind of work, like, I don't know, TensorFlow or anything like this? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so um, I think in that case, uh, we should be very much thankful for interop for right. Clojure's ability to build bridges to other mm -hmm. runtimes. And at least for m many of these algorithms, there are actually excellent implementations in the JVM. Mm -hmm. There is one uh, famous library called Smile in the JVM, written by Haifeng Li, mostly in Java and Scala. And mm -hmm. it does have a great Clojure wrapper at least most of it, by Carsten Bering. So many mm -hmm. classical machine learning algorithms, classical in a sense means not those deep networks, mm -hmm. uh, they have an excellent JVM closure uh, option. And for deep learning, uh, the situation is maybe a bit more complicated because those deep networks, they don't just need the infrastructure to build a network. They actually need uh, many, many structures built on top of that, such mm -hmm. as certain network architectures and lots of uh, tools and, and, and functionality around that. And there, uh, one may not always find the answer in the JVM. There is mm -hmm. the Deep Diamond library by Dragon Druich, which is mm -hmm. evolving uh, amazingly and does have implementations uh, of, of uh, the, at least the core of this world of deep neural networks, as well as some of the architectures of certain types of networks. But mm -hmm. it doesn't have everything. There is something called um, a deep Java library, which is a okay. Java API on top of some of the famous uh, platforms such as Ten TensorFlow that you mentioned. And mm -hmm. Deep Java Library has an excellent closure wrapper, uh, 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 work in progress by uh, uh, Kimi Ma. And mm -hmm. uh, so these, Deep Diamond uh, by Dragon Jurich and the uh, CLJ wrapper of uh, DJL, the, DJ, the Deep Java Library, are excellent options for deep learning closure, but they would not mm -hmm. always be enough. And one would need typically to reach out to interop with typically Python to reach more of this huge world of network, ar network architectures. Mm -hmm. uh, does it make sense? Yes, I actually would like to backpedal a bit. Uh, so you mentioned there's the classical uh, machine learning and then you mentioned the deep learning. Uh, how do you view the world of machine learning? Can we divide this to some kind of a bucket? So you mentioned classical, then there's deep learning. What else would there be? Yeah, so so maybe uh, another way of dividing, you know, now we were talking about, about different kinds of algorithms, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, and another way to divide it would be a, around the kind of practice which is being used. So, mm -hmm. for example, there is a certain practice of doing machine learning called supervised learning. Mm -hmm. and, and what it means is that uh, the uh, model 
the data that you're training uh, is trained in a supervised way where you don't only have the inputs, but you have uh, actual outputs that the function you're training needs to learn to produce. So the function is getting a, a sequence of inputs and outputs, and it is gradually learning to generalize the relationship between inputs and outputs. And there, there is a whole, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, sc school, uh, a whole uh, discipline of training things for this kind of problems. And then another uh, flavor would be unsupervised learning, where you don't get any outputs, you do not provide outputs to your, your um, uh, training process, you just provide the inputs, and then your training process needs to look into the inputs and somehow make sense of them. For example, possibly cluster them into certain groups by similarity of the items, uh, the, the data points. Right? Or, I see. Okay. Yeah, it is a whole different world, this unsupervised learning. And then there are, there are other um, flavors, uh, like uh, semi-supervised and active learning, and maybe that is too much to discuss for now, but there are mm -hmm. di different disciplines that depend on the setup of when we, we have inputs, when we have outputs, how we update the model, how it is used, and such. And mm -hmm. on top of that, there is some need for a decent workflow, a decent way to build pipelines where different computational steps are composed and where the data is split for split into certain subsets some used for training some used for validating and comparing the trained models some used for actually testing everything at the end and all that workflow around machine learning needs a uh, a little bit of engineering and mm -hmm. one amazing closure option for that is the CycloGML library by Karsten Bering which is mm -hmm. offering a, really a beautiful functional way to to build those pipelines which is which are needed for machine learning mm -hmm. workflows and also is wrapping a lot of the existing functionality that we mentioned earlier uh, could we try to draw like one example of this pi workflow pipeline? Uh, would there be any kind of simple thing that we could illustrate just to get like a better feeling for this? Yeah, yeah. So, um, for example, um, I should should we have an example? Maybe let us uh, think for a moment. Um, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, is there any example that you like about? Uh, yeah. Um, I like geography. Uh, maybe I'll okay. look for, for um, yeah, yeah. So so um, may, maybe I'll mention one of the examples that we liked and practiced in our community, sure. and that is a, a really nice data set of uh, taxi rides. Well, you know, okay. each point of your data is a taxi that needs to go from a certain point to another point, and then you would like to mm -hmm. ask, for example, how long would it take, right? So it is kind of nice because these data are, are geographically located, actually twice, because you have the beginning and the end of the ride, mm -hmm. and also 
they are located in time because you have the beginning of and the end of the ride. And then if there is some richness about this data, data set and problem. And then mm -hmm. let us imagine what we could do to, to, to actually predict the time it would take for a ride uh, to go. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, one approach could be to take all the data of all the rides and split it into a few subsets. And that is the, the common practice of supervised learning. So uh, for simplicity, let us say we are splitting into three subsets. Mm -hmm. They are called training, validation, and testing. Mm -hmm. And then we will use the training set to actually uh, train a model, uh, train some, like let's say, uh, uh, some uh, 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 machine learning model like a decision tree. Uh, that what is a decision tree? It is just a nested if-else structure, right? That is drawn as a tree. Or maybe mm -hmm. typically we would train many trees and have the average of them. So there are many models that look like that, like the average answer of many trees. So, mm -hmm. you know, we would train a certain structure like that, and we would train that over the training set and measure its uh, accuracy over mm -hmm. the validation set, and then do, do that many times and pick uh, a model that, that actually performed well on the validation set. And then, mm -hmm. just to be sure, at the end, we would test that over the test set that was left untouched so that we would not cheat uh, by looking into it. I see. So, so that is a, a certain uh, practice. And then, what, it, what would it mean to build it in closure? So, CycloGML mm -hmm. uh, offers a certain way to go about that. And the idea there is that we actually do the same thing over our data in a few different contexts. So what is the thing we are doing? We are not just training a model. We typically do some processing, uh, pre-processing, mm -hmm. where we delete some data points which are uh, noisy. Or maybe we add some columns to our table with some uh, uh, transformations for the, of the data that would make it easier for the model to train. Right? So we do typically a pipeline of a few steps of computation before we actually train the model. And then we train the model. And then we may apply it to a new taxi ride and test it. So this mm -hmm. whole pipeline has a few steps. And then what one would typically do over the training set and then the validation set and test set is almost the same, but not exactly the same. So most steps in the way would be very similar. But for example, the, the step of actually looking into the, tr the decision tree or trees would be different because in the training context, we need to train the trees. But in the validation context, we need to use the trees and, and see what they predict. So we need a way to compose many functions, but mm -hmm. be able to run this composition in a few variations that do just a little bit, a little bit different things. And that is what 
CycloGML offers a certain way to do that, mm -hmm. and uh, and it, it builds on top of a tiny, brilliant library called Metamorph that introduces these notions of pipelines. And it is a celebration mm -hmm. of, of functional programming and simplicity, uh, just to look into the ideas of these. And then, typically, as we said, we may wish to try many models that may be different in little details of the setup. For example, uh, did we or did we not uh, clean those noisy data points? Or what parameters we actually used and such. So mm -hmm. we need to test many variations. We could think about it as a certain search, search for the optimal setup. And this search mm -hmm. is a search over a space of combinations. And CycloGML, this brilliant library by Carsten Bering, offers mm -hmm. different ways of searching over a space of combinations as part mm -hmm. of the machine learning workflow. And yeah, so that is just a little bit of what it offers. It offers a very mm -hmm. robust way to build such workflows with all the uh, pragmatic uh, needs to be answered. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff in all of this. There's probably a lot of computation involved in all of that. And, you know, what's normally, where would you run those kind of workflows? Is this something that you do on your computer? Do you, do you use any kind of a cloud? Or how does this work from the infrastructure point of view? Yeah, so a lot of that could be run on one's own uh, desktop. Uh, it just depends on the scale of the problem. Mm -hmm. And I think, uh, you know, in some problems, actually, uh, having a lot of data and actually making use of huge data sets is a need. And there, yeah, some need to scale it. Uh, th there is some need to scale it. But in many cases, uh, you know, you could enjoy a data set that does fit your memory and you could run the algorithms on your desktop. And it mm -hmm. would be recommended to begin with that before bothering about scale. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, and then uh, another need for some kinds of algorithms, typically those deep networks, is mm -hmm. uh, the GPU, the graphical processing learning that you discussed in the discussion with David. And mm -hmm. there uh, it is possible that one would need a different machine than their own just to have a decent GPU to use with the algorithms. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, but I think for most problems it would be uh, recommended to begin uh, with medium or small setup that just run on the machine and then scale. Um, there is an interesting option um, with the Spark ecosystem that comes from Scala uh, that is a JVM project and is uh, uh, built to be distributed over many machines. And it mm -hmm. does contain, contain many machine learning algorithms. I think that is one of the interesting options for scale. And mm -hmm. I think uh, some parts of the Spark ecosystem have wonderful closure wrappers. For example, there is this Geni wrapper that deserves a whole podcast episode, I think. Uh, and But I think there is still some way to go before it becomes seamless 
to use that from Clojure. We could hope mm -hmm. it to happen. Yeah. Right. Uh, and which part of Clojure data science ecosystem, if you will, uh, do you see the most construction in? Do you, do you feel like most of the pipeline is complete or do you, which kind of parts would you, would you like to work on and improve? Yeah, I think, I think the missing piece, the, the mm -hmm. most important missing piece is making things very much friendly and teachable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it is a very opinionated claim, but I think that sure. is the situation where we're at. We are not going to have all functionality uh, implemented in Clojure. It is not going to happen. We will right. rely on other runtimes, and it is just fine. Right. What we need is many more people to look into the current situation and enjoy mm -hmm. it and see what might be missing for them and improve that. Mm -hmm. And for that to happen, we just need it to become more friendly. So mm -hmm. I think you know, to make that uh, concrete. One thing that is needed is beautiful, lightweight APIs on top of existing functionality. That would just make it beautiful and enjoyable to use. And the good mm -hmm. news is that that is something that Clojureans love to do, just build beautiful APIs on top of things. So mm -hmm. if you're a Clojurean looking for a cool project, there are a few of these waiting for you to, to just write <laughs> your own wrapper and beautifully document your API. Another thing that is needed is actually discussing these things, learning them, teaching them. And then, you know, that is why I'm so grateful for your project, uh, Jacek, and, you know, the fact that you are in the last few months looking more and more into this uh, ecosystem. And mm -hmm. in a sense, that might be the most important thing that we need, what you're doing, bringing more ears and bringing clarity as you always do. And that right. is, you know, I'm so grateful for what you do. <laughs> and maybe to, just to mention concretely one more project that is promising, I think. There is a uh -huh. certain project called the Closure Data Cookbook. Mm -hmm. It is just in the beginning. It is a project by Kira McLean. And I think it is. it has a very promising approach to mm -hmm. actually documenting these things in an example-based approach where, you know, we, you jo just don't see the tiny API documentations, but rather you see small workflows that contain mm -hmm. these different libraries combined. And I yeah. think this project by Kira is maybe one of the most important things happening now for this ecosystem. Sounds great. Uh, sounds very interesting. Um, would there be anything else from like sort of like slash data science or cycloge and uh, I guess, you know, we will include the in the show and this will be probably very extensive show notes. Uh, but where if people are interested and they would like to contribute, where do you where do you hang out? Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Uh, so there are a few groups that meet regularly and one could find them in the cycloge website. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would also love to just chat with anybody curious and please reach out and we could just talk and see whatever could be useful for you. Mm -hmm. And, and um, yeah, yeah. Right. the best so thing to do is, is, uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, is there a, a, is a, is there a channel on Clojure and Slack where it's the best way to reach out or? Yeah, the best way is the uh, Clojure Zulip chat, which okay. is, okay. 
uh, uh, Zulip Chat is an amazing project. It is, it has been a game changer for the Cyclops community in being able to mm -hmm. organize knowledge and have like deep, uh, slow discussions as well as quick chats. And uh, that is where most data science people are. Uh, a few mm -hmm. of us are at Slack too. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, we would answer anyway, any place. Okay, so Zulip chat, Zulip, uh, Zulip chat it is then. Absolutely. Okay, uh, and I guess you know uh, the Cycloge uh, website. This is definitely something we will link in the show notes, so if people can find it. Of course, I guess people can reach out on Twitter to you, yeah. and like uh, if someone would like to, re what's your handle on Twitter? It is Daslu, D A S L U underscore because it was taken without underscore. All right. That's Lou underscore. Here we go. Uh, cool. Will there be anything else for uh, data science uh, that you would like to mention or talk about? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I think um, we're in a situation where there is a beautiful opportunity that is being missed out by many people just because it hasn't been seen yet. And, mm -hmm. and there is a certain habit in uh, by data scientists to use other more mainstream technologies mm -hmm. and i think it is the time for at least for closure groups to dare and actually use closure for data science to try it out mm -hmm. i think if they have already learned to appreciate closure they mm -hmm. would not regret using closure for data science and we actually need that we need more users, more use cases uh, to look into this emerging stack. And I think that applies to uh, typically small closure startups and closure consultancies, which are looking to, to add more to the, the uh, repertoire. And um, I think uh, maybe that may be the main call at this time, to just dare and try it out. Mm -hmm. Sure. Sounds great. Sounds like a great call of action, especially to people interested exploring and also contributing. Uh, so definitely, if you're interested, just check out everything what uh, Daniel mentioned. So yeah, it's uh, absolutely great everything what you're doing for the community and like uh, building everything around it and like spreading the word. And uh, I have to say, I thank you and I appreciate so much the work you're doing. So I hope uh, people who listen to the podcast will also it will also resonate with them. Uh, to dare to do the data science enclosure. So yeah, it was great to have you on and discuss all of the data science. That is so kind. Uh, you know, I, I always listen to your podcast and I see this magic happening where you you talk with people and you somehow bring clarity. You somehow <laughs> make everybody, you make them be clear. And I, I don't know how this no. magic works, but thank you so much for this. It's just It's just the guests are awesome. You know, they bring all the knowledge and sharing just like you gave the introduction or the overview of all the science, all of the data science today. I have nothing to do with this. I was just, I was just silent. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, consider supporting it by rating it on your platform and telling others about it. You can also support it directly by buying subscription at closure.stream or sponsoring it on GitHub sponsors. All the details in the show notes below. <laughs>